0: I haven't had enough omega three fatty acid today. I'll kill you. Just because I know science. I
1: love when you were like when I was a kid, I was a scientist. You said that in this last episode we recorded. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about?
0: Are you kidding me? I was obsessed with you. Were you a
1: certified scientist when you were little?
0: I was meaning when I was younger, as in college. I took so many biology classes during the musical theater it's years because I was like, a different
1: thing than when I was a kid. I was a scientist. <laughs> sorry i'm laughing with you not at you
0: (laughs) nope it's fully at me i get it i understand
1: welcome to take me to coffee
0: this is a mentorship podcast for the digital age for the doers the rule breakers people who are building it from the ground up with the tiniest little hammers ever i thought you were gonna say tiny little hands tiny little hands for tiny little hammers
1: Deep, 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 deep. From movie stars to blog writers to sustainability podcast hosts, in this day and age, we have something to learn from everyone.
0: Even the tiniest little dozers on the show Fraggle Rock, with their cheep 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 kind of talk session stuff, that's how they speak. So, this is your weekly chance to get personal with people who've been down the road before you,
1: and soak up a whole lot of inspiration from every corner of the internet.
0: Hey, Jess. Yo. Do you have a sponge? I'm trying to soak up some inspiration.
1: I tire of your interjections. <laughs> tell me this story. You were so
0: tell. listen, I'm in here recording. Don't a, tell it to I'm me sexy here. though. No, no, no. I'm going to have to be seriously quiet because there might be, oh, let me tell you the story and then I'll tell you why I'm whispering. So I'm over here a little while ago and I am recording a voiceover for some you know, food network or some shit. Anyways, I'm doing the recording. I'm like cutting it all together and like getting everything done. All of a sudden I lean over and then as I end it, And I start to type on the thing. I stop typing for a second because I hear in my microphone because I've still got my headphones on to my microphone. But the way that my BO booth is situated, it's facing into my closet. So like the outside of the booths here, the mic's facing this direction and there's like clothes behind me and nothing Mm -hmm. else. Right. Mm -hmm. That I think all of a sudden I hear somebody sniff into the mic. But it's really loud in and my ears, so it has you. to be like really close to the mic. And it was not me; it was one hundred percent not me. Do you have a ghost? I don't know. I don't know. Our oh producer thought thought it was a parasite type situation. Like there's somebody been living in the walls this entire time. Oh my god! <laughs> I went back in. I spread through the clothes. I did the whole thing. I walked back over there and I was like, "What the fuck was that?" Tried to sleuth a little bit because I'm a ghost hunter. Like I love. And a it. When I was a kid, I was a ghost hunter. <laughs> I was a scientist and a ghost hunter. I was just gonna say. So I'm a little bit freaked out by it.
1: I wish that I could verbalize the look on my face right now, which is kind of like a stinky, I don't like it look.
0: (laughs) If we're talking about true ghost hunting, EVP is a real thing. It's called (laughs) Electro Voice Phenomenon. And it is a real thing that our human ears just cannot hear some of these recorded things that like spirits say or whatever. I think it was something trying to mimic me. Ugh. something fucking like made an inhale
1: for some context, for those of you who are listening and maybe are our new listeners to take me to coffee at the beginning of every episode, Andrew and I have a coffee date before we have our coffee date with our guests. <laughs> this is mostly because Andrew and I have been living in separate cities for two years. We are really good friends. We don't get to see, we haven't been able to see each other much. Um, and so we ha- always take this time to catch up. This is the sort of shit Andrew and I talk about when we get together and it usually involves some kind of fucking crazy conspiracy. Scientisty things he learned on the TV, kind of.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I only learned things on the TV. I don't learn we it anywhere were, else. No, we
1: were recording today and you were like, uh, so I know some things about this. Like I watch TV shows. You said that too.
0: <laughs> I did, but I also said behind that, I said, and I read books and other publications.
1: So question on
0: the book front and the story that you just told,
1: have you read Dr. Sleep, the follow-up to The Shining that... Stephen King wrote
0: I actually saw the movie I didn't read the book
1: I didn't see the I saw movie. the film but I feel like what you need to take from Dr. Sleep is that whoever is imitating you and sniffing in your VO booth in your closet mm-hmm. if they get fucking cheeky and start trying to cause chaos you need to make a box in the back of your brain and you need to put them in it and put a lock on it so that they can't fuck sh- your VO auditions up that
0: thing in the back of my brain where all that repressed shit is all that fucked up shit it's not a box it's a goddamn rail car <laughs> But there's room, and I'll tuck all of it in there.
1: Oh, Lord, have mercy.
0: You're welcome. It's not difficult being my friend, is it?
1: No, it is- um, A joy? Um, try again. Let me just think about this. It
0: is an uphill climb. A Sisyphean, a a Sisyphean Sisyphean effort
1: effort to be your friend.
0: There we go. There it is. (laughs) And for none of you who don't know your mythology, Sisyphus was the one who was forced to perpetually roll a rock up a hill, never getting to the top. This is his play. And as
1: always in this episode of everything I know I learned from musical theater, if you don't know who Sisyphus is and you're a musical theater person, shame, shame Mm. on you and go listen to. Two myths and hymns, and uh, our Lord and Savior, Mandy Patinkin, will teach you all about Sisyphus.
0: Yes, he will, and he might race you to the top of the morning. (laughs) So good. Thank God for musical theater nerds out there. Uh, Listen, the person we're interviewing today is highlighted in green on my script because she is one of the greenest, most eco-friendly humans to this planet that we have ever, ever had I cannot wait for you guys to hear this interview. It was a treat to sit down with her. She is one of the most positive, jovial, brilliant human beings, giving us everything we need to know about recycling and sustainability on the planet Earth.
1: Folks, we recorded this interview uh, about a week ago. And in that time, I have told everyone I know about her. First of all, I have had several significant conversations about like, How we can, with low cost, start to use less single use plastics in our homes? And I hooked her up with two people for her podcast that I think she should talk to. So, like, I think it's safe to say (laughs) I also am obsessed with her and this episode.
0: Can Can we secretly throw me back on one of those lists just so I can just get onto the podcast with her and ask her a bunch of cool questions? (laughs) Like, I I don't want to interview her. I just want to be a guest on the podcast for her. So, like, can I just ask her a bunch of more? I I just want to
1: get this straight. So, you would like me to email. her a list of people I think she should talk to on the podcast. And nestled, if you will, inside that list of people, it should say Andrew Call. And we'll see if she notices right. that it, she's already talked to you. <laughs> so you can go on the podcast. Did I get that
0: right? Yeah, no, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's that's exactly what I want to happen. Okay. So Megan, is she's an actor in New York City, but she's also the co-host of the How to Save the World podcast. She's the CEO of Moss NYC, which is a sustainability consulting company. She goes into larger companies uh, like your... Uh, we'll, we'll say deloitte just i'm making this up i'm completely That's making a real this company up. no i know it's a real company but i don't know if it's specifically deloitte that she's consulting.
1: we're gonna secret it for her
0: there it is okay she consults with deloitte possibly <laughs> i don't know people probably like the companies that are potentially making a bunch of waste in this world and she goes in and she consults them on how to be more sustainable get rid of the use of single use plastics and how to run their company in a more environmentally friendly way yeah was amazing to me is because i walked out of here and went and met my wife for theater the evening that we recorded this and we sat there and i was like i just had the most fucking fascinating interview with this this woman who has created this green eco-friendly um completely sustainable zero waste company and she consults and i went into my wife's office as they're like shredding paper and still writing on paper and like everything and i was just like I looked around with a whole new lens, right? It was like that eco-friendly green lens, and I was like, "You're killing the planet. We're all killing <laughs> oh, the no. planet. We're all killing the planet." <sighs> Don't feel guilty just about it. Do something. It. Just take small steps, and I think that's what the, that's, that's what right. this interview is about. It's like just take the small steps, hopefully quickly, because we're dying. Some scientists say like we're not going to last another twenty years. It's a reality, folks. It's and a reality. while you're
1: taking those small steps towards sustainability, also take this small step, friends. Head to Twitter and follow TM2C Podcast to leave us a video-asked question for an upcoming guest. Tell us about someone cool you follow, or search back through our past episodes and find something you want to listen to because we got some good shit up there.
0: We hope you enjoy this episode of Take Me to Coffee with Megan Aftermath.
2: I'm
0: recording. I'm recording. I'm recording.
2: <laughs> I live in Inwood. Oh, cool. Uh, I live in the Bronx. I live like as far nice. north in the Bronx before you're in Connecticut. Oh, my God. <laughs> I live by Pelham Bay Park.
0: Oh, I play a lot of golf up at Pelham Bay Oh, Oh nice.
2: Yeah, yeah, I play at Split Rock, too. Love oh, Split Rock.
0: You're, you play golf? Yeah. <laughs> I do. I think I just found my new best friend.
1: <laughs> Did you know that Andrew Call and Miguel Cervantes invented a golf thingy that you should get?
0: Golf thingy. Thank you. You're
1: welcome. What's a golf thingy? So
0: it's called a Shoe Caddy. It's Caddy.com. Uh-huh. It's uh, basically for higher handicappers or, you know, anybody who really doesn't have pockets or want tees okay. and ball mark and divot tool in their pockets. Okay. It's a little device that slides like a money clip onto your shoe and it holds two tees. A divot tool in the little slide and then a ball mark, and you can logo it, and we can get you all the things that you want on it. A lot of people are really interested, and in we're going to actually be showing at the PGA show. That's
2: so cool. Next
0: week. We got invited to the 2020 PGA show to like perform at their new invention symposium
2: that's really cool i want to i want one
0: well go to shootcaddy.com and check us out not, not that i am com.
2: in any capacity qualified to have something that cool while i golf because <laughs> it is very much a hobby
0: oh i don't no no, no. We, we 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 pander to everyone we don't give a shit where your handicap it. is we don't care how bad you play even for the worst players we're just trying to get you to play faster yeah the whole motto it. is get out of your pockets and get in the game
2: oh boy i, love that.
0: I know. <laughs> Listen, I just—I had to put my VO voice on. I had to put yeah. my voice on for that one. Yeah, you know? you I feel sell. like he
2: was—he was practicing that in the mirror for a couple minutes yeah. before he came back to record.
0: That's exactly right. I had to put my, my my audition button down, my one audition button down, and then I had to go get out of your pockets and get in the game. <laughs>
1: How did you get into golf, Megan? Yeah,
0: let's talk about that.
2: Sure. Yeah. My dad is a big golfer, loves golf. And when I was a kid, um, I grew up in rural Ohio, like 45 minutes east of Cleveland. I'm from a town called Novelty.
0: I know Novelty.
2: No, how do you know Novelty? novelty?
0: No, I drove past Novelty. I was looking for places to stay just south of Cleveland. And it came up on my like hotel search when I was driving to Chicago two years ago. I was like, Novelty? That seems. That's a novel answer to a question. It's a
2: very small Dislike. place. How many people? Like, how what small? Do you, what do you say? How small? Contextualized, yeah. Let's see. There's no, like, town center for novelty. That's not an experience that we have. It's really just a post office and a 7-Eleven <laughs> and... <laughs> I think that's pretty much about it. Holy shit.
0: It literally is blink and you miss it kind of town.
2: Yeah, it's literally blink and you miss it. It's very small, but it's surrounded by a bunch of other sort of larger, small communities. Uh And yeah, there was a golf course near where I grew up and I took golf lessons as a kid. And and then I didn't golf for about, oh, I don't know, 15 years. And then... This past summer, my uh, partner who I live with, he was like wanting to get into golf and we started going to Split Rock. Also, there's a great... Driving range. The Bronx is a great place to pop over to. There's a great place called City Island, amazing like summer hangout place right by the water. It's beautiful, but there's a driving range there. So we started going to the driving range. They have batting cages too. And what? I don't know. It just became a, a fun little hobby activity, and it's just very um, meditative and calming and and fun.
1: See everyone who's listening. You can you can live like this in <laughs> New York City. You can
2: golf. You can be outdoors. You can. It's there. It's here. Yeah,
0: I think you've perfectly surmised the golf experience for me and for you. It is a bit of like a religious experience for me to be outside around nature and trees because that's where I come from. You know, I mean, I was raised in Kansas and Arkansas and just to be able to be outside. You know, I mean, I play Van Cortland Park quite a bit. And again, I play Pelham and Split Rock pretty often, at least four or five times a year.
2: Yeah, it's a real gift. It really is. I mean, New York does have the capacity to make you feel like you are cut off from the natural world, and it's a great opportunity to have access to it.
0: This is a brilliant segue into what <laughs> you do and why it's you're here. It's almost
2: like we did it on purpose. Oh, my God. <laughs> Megan, tell
0: us what it is that you do.
2: guess I'll backtrack. So I, I am Megan, and I... Start there. <laughs> you are Megan. I am Megan. So I'm a sustainability professional. I'm the co-host and the co-creator of a podcast called How to Save the World. That's our goal. (laughs) And I also am a certified true zero waste advisor which we don't have to dive into the guts of that at this exact moment we can talk about it a bit later
1: but we will you're like but we're gonna talk about it we're gonna
2: talk about it this is what i do on a daily basis i try to provide people with tips and tricks and tools to put in their arsenal to try and be more sustainable and to reduce their ecological footprints. Um, I do it for individuals. I do it for businesses. I have my own LLC, um, a sustainability consulting LLC. And yeah, that's my goal for life is to just try and help people understand that sustainability is accessible and we can all play a role in making the world a better place. Accessible that's and achievable. Yes. I think
0: both of those things are Slam. Extremely fucking cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's blowing. So up. here on Take
1: Me to Coffee, it's a coffee date for like all the three of us, but it's also a coffee date for everyone who listens and we get questions for you from our listeners and your fans. I have a question. Love I it. have a question though.
0: I have a question. The Andrew in the front. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh so hey, Megan, what kind of coffee are you drinking? Since this is Take Me, ooh, Me to Coffee Podcast. Ooh, what you pulled up amazing cup. What is on I... the cup? Because I can't really see it. <laughs> that's a good <laughs> Ohio. O-H-I-O.
2: You can take the girl out of Ohio, but you cannot take the Ohio out of the gal. Yes. It is an Ohio mug. Um, I am in a drastic change of events, not at all drinking coffee. It's a nice loose leaf tea. And I'll take this cheeky moment to just plug this amazing company. Yes. For anybody out there who doesn't know, most conventional tea bags consist of plastic parts that are polypropylene based which means that they are not biodegradable or compostable. Even tea bags that say that they're compostable, oftentimes they are not compostable in backyard composting. They need high heat compost facilities to be able to break down. So usually they just have to go in the trash and be sent to the landfill. So the best most sustainable option for sustainable tea drinking is to invest in some great loose-leaf tea that you then strain Mm -hmm. with water. And I love this company called Arbor Teas. They're amazing. Most of their teas are fair trade certified and organic. The people who are harvesting their teas are making a living wage. They practice ethical standards. And All of their tea bags that they send their tea in are compostable in a backyard composting or like curbside compost that New York City picks up. You can put them in those compost Mm -hmm. bins. No waste. Nothing's being sent to the landfill. And you're not sacrificing ethical standards for a product that you're putting in your body. So so that's what I'm drinking.
1: TM2C FamBam who drinks tea. This is in the show notes. Arbor Tea. Click it. Get it drink it, and do a little something for the earth while you're at it. (laughs) Do a little something
2: for the earth while you're at it. I'm
0: so excited about that whole conversation. A, didn't realize that New York City has a compostable segment. Pick Did, up. didn't know that didn't know that now my second question is how the fuck do i compost in my own home
2: oh okay yeah great question
0: because i live in a one bedroom in midtown manhattan right so i've like there's, there's other ways me and my wife are really trying to like reduce our carbon footprint ecological footprint uh, as you referred to it earlier i want to know like things that i can do in my own apartment to to help ease yeah. the burden yeah. of the
2: earth oh there's <sighs> There's so many. This is only an hour and a half. We're gonna have to, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm in to try. <laughs> can you, can you give
0: us the, can you give us the abridged version?
2: Yeah, I can. First of all, it's super important to note that New York City does have a curbside compost collection program. It is actually the largest in the nation. So New York has this goal to be zero waste by 2030. It's an amazing goal. It's sure. incredibly important. And food waste makes up about 40% of all of waste that is sent to landfill. Whoa. If anybody's sitting out there and doesn't know, the problem with food waste is that, yes, food waste is organic waste. It is naturally biodegradable. However... When food waste is sent to a landfill, a landfill is an anaerobic environment. That means it is devoid of oxygen. There's no oxygen being Mm. introduced to the experience for it then to break down the food because there's just so much trash sitting on top of trash. It's suffocated. So the food can't break down. And instead of breaking down, it slowly decomposes and it releases methane. Methane is a greenhouse gas and it is more potent than carbon dioxide. So the more food that we're sending to landfill, the more methane we are creating, and the more that we are contributing to greenhouse gas emissions, thus anthropogenic climate change. Anthropogenic just means that it is climate change that is being caused by human beings. So yes, New York City has the nation's largest curbside compost pickup program. You live in a building you live in yeah you have a landlord or a super (laughs) some days some days you live in a building just depends
0: my wife kicks me out puts me on the street every once in a while
2: the first thing you can do is you can uh, talk to your landlord or super about getting one of the brown bins. These are New York City sanitation bins. They are for organic waste. They are small and brown, and you can help your building and talk to your building about getting a bin put in place so that people can literally just bebop on downstairs, pop the old organic waste into the brown bin. New York sanitation comes, they pick it up, they compost it, and then that compost is sent to community gardens or Urban farms, it's used in NYC parks, etc. That is option oh, one. Shit. Option two, right. you can drop off your compost at a drop off location in New York City. There's over a hundred compost drop off locations through an organization called Grow NYC. Show notes. They are the organization that is responsible for implementing all of the farmers markets around New York, the Grow NYC farmers markets, which are the largest. Right,
0: Union Square, l- larger places. Yeah, yeah, of course.
2: Exactly. So that's Grow NYC who does that. And at all of those farmers markets, there's a compost drop off site. And even on off days from farmers markets, they often have separate drop off locations for off days. Uh, all of that information is on their website. They have a little interactive map. That is the next easiest option. Also, most community gardens in New York City also accept compost drop offs. Option three. You can set up composting in your apartment. You can either do a traditional worm bin, so that's called vermicomposting. That's when little wormies eat your organic waste and they poop <laughs> they poop out a soil amendment that is really, really rich in nutrients. And that, that sounds used... just like me. Am I a <laughs> composty wormy? <laughs> composting wormy. Um yeah, worms are like, the greatest thing ever, worms and bees, worms and bees and bats. And yeah, worms, bees and bats are the greatest things.
0: In in not that order, but like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They
2: sort of just collectively exist as the greatest, the trifecta. Yeah. So that's vermicomposting. That's when you introduce worms to your organic waste and they're going to nibble it up, nibble it up, nibble it up. They poop out a soil amendment that's really rich in nutrients and you can Either add that to soil or use it in place of soil. It fertilizes your plants. I know that when you live in an apartment, if you're making compost, often you're like, what am I going to do with this now? You can drop it off places. You can give it to your friends. You can take it to a community garden.
0: Put it in your own plants. Don't have to buy potting soil. Yeah.
2: You never have to buy potting soil, which comes in a plastic bag, which we don't want anyways. So then we have compost. And we're set to go. And that's actually not that difficult of a thing to set up in your apartment. Just takes doing some research. There's a great book that I absolutely love. I highly recommend anybody read it before you start vermicomposting. It's called Worms Eat My Garbage. I'm pretty sure. Show notes. Writing it down.
0: Listen, I've got questions, though. So when you're vermicomposting and you have the worms in your apartment, can that just, like, live under my sink where my other compo- yeah. my other shit is yeah. like at?
2: They want to live in the dark. They don't want to leave. They want to no. be—that's their home.
0: Does it promote other types of animals? So you have, like, cockroaches will want to come eat the feces of the— you know what I'm saying? Like, in my building, it would maybe be a little frowned on?
2: Um, It shouldn't. So yeah. okay. uh, a compost bin is basically a very— highly regulated ecosystem. So you have carbon and nitrogen, and the carbon and the nitrogen have a perfect sort of symbiotic balance in the habitat of a composting ecosystem. If they are in balance, and if you have the right amount of worms everything should sort of function in this perfect harmony and it should not introduce any other little insects into your apartment especially if you're sort of keeping it in a contained environment you should be good i will say that if you're like me so i live in the bronx i actually live in a house i don't live in an apartment building
0: lucky you so i
2: live i have a backyard. And that can be a little sketchy. There is the possibility that you're like if you have just like an outdoor compost pile, especially in New York, mm. in an urban area, it has the possibility to introduce rats. Um, but there are mm. options to avoid that instead. Um, there's these great compost bins that you rotate yourself it has like a hand crank on it yeah Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like if you have a porch or something that's a great option you just crank it a couple times a day and basically what you're doing when you're cranking it is that you are creating and producing heat and heat is one of the factors that helps compost or helps organic waste break down into compost so Crank it a couple yeah. times a day, get that heat going, and it'll get hot regardless, because the carbon and the so nitrogen cool. are right. creating I mean, heat.
0: Decomposition, yeah, decomposition. It creates, creates heat.
2: heat right? uh, you say well, right? Yeah. But the rest of us
1: are like, I'm like, I know how to tap dance. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I mean, I know I know how to do
0: those things, but I've also read books.
1: Okay, fuck off. <laughs> it's a balance. It's a balance.
0: It really is. Everything is a balance.
1: I want to go back to the bats mm. for just a second because this is so cool and I feel Talk like you'll really enjoy bats. it. Uh a friend of mine t- so I don't know a whole lot about them, but a friend of mine took me to the Wildlife Federation's film festival this year, the final day, and I saw all these amazing mini documentaries yeah. about like wildlife, and I met this gal who I follow on Instagram now and I'll send you the link and I'll put it in the show notes for everyone. She's making a documentary about bats and she's her Instagram handle is Nerdy Bat Lady and it is the f- most fun instagram to follow if you're into bats because she's a scientist and a researcher but also a documentarian and is working on this incredible film
2: about how amazing bats are that is so cool thank you for sharing that with me nerdy bat lady yes
1: okay let's get to business you guys we got a question from one of your listeners of your podcast the how to save the world podcast uh monique let's uh let's hear what she has to ask
3: Hi, this is Monique from New Jersey. And I want to ask, how did you get started in sustainability? How long ago was it? And what was the first sustainable lifestyle change that you made?
1: Thank you. I love this question because when you're forced to kind of look back and find the seeds in yeah. your early life of where you ended up as an adult, I think it's always a very surprising and interesting journey. I don't know if you've thought about that before, but I would love to hear like where where were the first signs that this was something you were going to end yeah. up doing?
2: Um, honestly, it kind of gives me like little tinglys, um, just because it reminds me of some childhood stuff. I grew up in rural Ohio. Like I said, I spent a lot of time outside I have two nearly perfect parents who were really Aww. wonderful stewards of the environment always growing up, and they sort of instilled that same passion in me, and I was a really precocious kid and a really precocious and annoying and aggressive teenager, and <laughs> I I started I
0: feel, like, I feel cool. like Jess can sympathize, Jess can sympathize
2: I don't know what you're talking about I know Nothing about that So I started working in the service industry. I've worked in the service industry since I was 13 years old.
1: Yes.
2: So over a decade, I still work in the service industry. And... It has always been a survival job of mine. And so I started working in the service industry when I was a teenager. I worked at a diner uh, in a place called Chagrin Falls in Ohio at a restaurant called Yours Truly. Shout out. <laughs> Shout open? out, YT. Yeah, they're still open. And now they have a bar. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this was a long time ago. This wasn't 2020 where everyone's like hip to the jive and talking about sustainability. Uh, this was, you oh, know, yeah. 2006, 2007 that I was working there. And... Uh, Um, We didn't have a recycling program. We did not have recycling pickup in that part of Ohio. So I very precociously demanded that everybody put all of their recycling (laughs) into a bag. And then I collected all the bags at the end of the week. And then I made my sweet mother drive me to the recycling drop-off place. And there was like only one. And it was like 20 minutes from our house. And I made her drive me there so that I could drop off the recycling every week. And I did this for the entire maybe two, three years that I worked there. And that was my first action of, you know, making the decision to do something about something that I felt like I didn't necessarily have the power to change. I was like, well, I can just do it. What, why did you do it? What put that in? What made it important in your
1: head to like take that action? I don't
2: know. I don't remember what spawned me having the realization of, deciding that it was the most important thing I had to do. And there were sort of other tidbits in my childhood where I would sort of say like, oh, I don't really know how to solve that problem, but I can just do it. Yes, I'm just gonna I'm, I can just do it. Right. I can just do something. And then I moved to New York, uh, and I went to NYU, and I could not, for the life of me, decide what I wanted to do, <laughs> and so I did everything. I double majored. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Drama from Tish, Tisch, yes. um, and I have a dual degree in environmental studies and a minor in anthropology, so I was just like, I'm going to do everything <laughs> that I like. Yes. And so then being in the environmental studies program at NYU sort of completely burst my whole world wide open as far as sustainability is concerned. That's when I started to learn about the importance of plant-based eating, the harms of animal agriculture, corporate fossil fuel emissions. Just some light learning. Just some light (laughs) learning. Yeah. And that was when I started to learn about all of that. And it sort of stayed with me. The way that it sort of manifested itself as a career or whatever it is now. Basically, you know, I'm an actor. I have been an actor first since I graduated from NYU. I, you know, worked contracts. I did a tour. I worked for Disney for a little while. And then I sort of hit this period of stagnancy where I was auditioning, but I wasn't getting callbacks. And I was like, I am bored i am unfulfilled i need more Mm -hmm. i'm not making a difference if i can't get into the room or to the space to affect meaningful change then i'm not really doing what i want to be doing so i again was just sort of like I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna do something about it. So I was just having a little chit with my friend who I co-host my podcast with. This was like almost three years ago now. She's an actor as well, Jamie. She's amazing. Hey, Jen. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Boo. Love her. She was just. This is just a tiny. This is like a little tiny baby Jamie plug. She's literally the greatest person on the face of the earth. She's the next best thing next yes. to birds, bees, and bats. It's Jamie. <laughs> So I was having this little chit with Jamie like three years ago, and I was like, I want to do something. I want to make a change. I want to do something meaningful to affect tangible change. What can we do? And we started brainstorming, and we both love the platform of performance and communication, and so we decided to start our podcast, and that is where How to Save the World was born from. And the rest of it was sort of just a domino effect. People started messaging me on Instagram via How to Save the World. They were like, hey, I have questions about this. I Can I like call you on the phone? Can we talk? Can we FaceTime? I want to know about composting in my apartment. I want to know what I can do to reduce my waste. I want to make these changes. And I was like, okay, people really want to learn about this. They're really passionate about it. People mm. want to do better. They want to make changes. And that's how I birthed my uh, Sustainability Consulting LLC. And from that, that is then when I took the course with True to become a zero waste certified advisor. So all of those things sort of just domino affected from domino affected, domino. I knew what you meant. Sure. I was, no, with you. I I was 100%. Domino there. affected. Don't, don't yeah. ever <laughs>
0: stop yourself, mid. Don't ever no, stop No, not yourself. with us, bozos.
2: <laughs> all of those things just sort of domino affected and turned into what they are now, which is. A strange sort of amoeba of sustainability work that just sort of exists in my life. Yeah, and to answer Monique's last question, which is what was the first sustainable change I made? I think it probably is composting. I think the first thing that I was like, New York has Installed this infrastructure for me to utilize, and I have the capacity to be a part of it. And so I started collecting my compost and dropping it off at one of the Grow NYC drop off sites. At that time, I lived in Washington Heights. I started getting really heavy into living low waste three years ago three years ago I was like I'm not gonna make any trash not a not a piece of trash <laughs> shall I make and then I took upon I took it upon myself to start dropping off my compost that was the first big thing that I did what?
1: here is what I gotta say I gotta say something I said it before I will say, say it again it. on this say podcast it. when we started this podcast Andrew and I were like we are gonna talk to like Folks in our industry who are actors and directors, but like we also really, really want to spend a lot of time using this chance to sit down for coffee with people outside our industry because we both think there's a lot to learn. But somehow we try to chase all those people, but it just keeps happening that everyone we talk to is either a former theater person or is or arts and is still doing theater and doing their thing. And I just want to take the moment to say, Fucking theater people rule the world. They are the best. They make all this change. They're so smart and innovative and original thinkers and doing incredible things. And so I just want to take a moment to recognize that because you stand firmly among them.
0: Um, listen, we were talking earlier about and I'm going to move on to another question here because we were talking earlier about uh, the convenience of coffee and the convenience of things that are in your life nowadays, but can also produce so many fucking Little itty bitty pieces of trash that you're like, how do I destroy this? How do I get rid of this? How do I how do I make this work for me?
3: Yeah. This is Victoria from Kansas City and I have a question about how to affordably replace single use plastics in day-to-day life with things like laundry detergent and dish soap and shampoo and makeup. Um and all of the things that when you start to look around your house you realize you actually do have a lot of single use plastic and you would rather not.
2: Thanks. Yes, Victoria.
0: Expound Teach
2: us, teach us. I have so many <laughs> so many answers. Okay. So, yes, single-use plastic in your home. There is a way to minimize it. There is a way to implement more sustainable options in your life. But I will start by saying this. If you have plastic items in your home that are functional and working for you, the answer is not just to bop them over to the trash or to the recycling and then replace them the answer is to try and find a home for them in the structure and the ecosystem of your home so that we are not sending them to landfill however Mm -hmm. often plastic does not have the longest lifespan and we want to implement sustainable solutions into our homes and I have so many answers for you Uh, single use plastic on the go So get a reusable water bottle, coffee, tea, get a reusable coffee or tea mug. Most of us already have these things or we have friends who have Mm -hmm. extra. This is not something that you should need to go out and purchase in theory. However, if you do, Mm -hmm. it is a great investment and it will last you for a very, very long time and the investment is worth it. And I will just say this. If I had a nickel for every time I said this, I would never have to work another day in my life. (laughs) We vote with our money. We vote with our money. So when you spend money on a quality item that is going to last you a long time, that is going to help you save the planet, you are saying with your money, you support the creation and the production of that product as opposed to not making The investment in a reusable coffee cup, and then going to Starbucks every day and purchasing single use coffee cups that you're then throwing in the trash. Then you're saying, with your Mm -hmm. money, this is the infrastructure that I support. I support this systemic lack of sustainability. We vote with our money, we vote with our money, we vote with our money. It's very important. So, reusable water bottle, get it, ask a friend if they have one, use the one that's been in your cupboard for, you know, five years that you haven't touched. Reusable coffee cup, get one, find one, use it. Next, travel with a set of reusable utensils. We live Busy lives. Everyone is super busy. So travel with a set of reusable utensils. That doesn't mean you have to get like a fancy, fancy, funcy set from like Etsy. Just grab some metal utensils from your house out of the old drawer, throw them in a napkin, and you've got a reusable linen and a set of reusable utensils on you. Bing, bang, boom. You didn't spend any extra money. You're good to go. You're saving the planet. You're a hero. Wear a cape. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next after that. Uh, A reusable container is a great thing to carry with you. I carry a mason jar literally everywhere I go. I use it for leftovers if I'm out with friends. I use it for takeout. I use it when I bring oranges to work with me. I collect my compost in it. The most multifaceted universal item I think we can carry with us is just like a reusable container. You don't have to go out and buy anything. Just grab an old Tupperware from your cupboard. Put it in your knapsack. Your your knapsack? Am I an 80-year-old? man. Put it in your book bag.
0: <laughs> you you might be an 80-year-old man. I, <laughs> I don't might, know.
2: I might be. I might be. Put it in your book bag. Put it in your purse. Those are the best items that you can carry with you on a daily basis to be able to eliminate and eradicate single-use plastic. Reusable water bottle, reusable coffee or tea mug, reusable utensils and linen, and a reusable container of some type. That's like... Travel, daily life, those are items that will help you live a convenient life without utilizing single use plastic, which is a convenience based tool created to take our money and kill the planet. As far as in your home goes, and I also want to just touch on this because Victoria very specifically said uh, she wants to eliminate single-use plastic in her home in an affordable way. This is super important for a couple of reasons. We want to make sustainability accessible. We want everybody to understand that they can live more sustainably, and then it won't cost them more money. But I, on the flip side of that, I do have to say that there might be expenses up front, but these are investments for the long term term. There are things that you'll buy that might be a little more pricey right up front, but they're going to last you way longer than the cheaper things that you were using before. A great example of this is wrap. So reusable beeswax coated wraps, you can buy a set of these and put them in your home, use them in place of single-use plastic cling wrap. Let's say you are going to the old CVS and you're buying plastic wrap and you're doing it, you know, Once a month, once every two or three months, you know, it could be $100 out of your pocket in the course of a year or two. Mm -hmm. Buy a set of bees wrap. Maybe you're going to spend $30 on it up front. It's going to last you for like three years and you're never going to have to go and buy cling wrap or aluminum foil you won't have to spend money on those things because you have this high quality reusable product in your home wait tell me again where do you get that yeah where do we find that there's a couple companies there's a company literally called bees wrap who i love because they ethically promote sustainable beekeeping and that's really important because bees are vital to our ecosystem so we want to support sustainable beekeepers there's also a company called abigo a -B b E-E-G-O. Nope. Nope. I love I
0: love a pl- I love a pun. I love
2: it. Abigo. Abigo's cool. They do beeswax wraps, but they also do vegan wraps. For anybody out there who's like a hardcore vegan who doesn't want to touch anything that bees have touched, uh, you can get Abigo wraps and they have a non-animal product out there. You can also, if you're cheeky and you love a DIY, you can make it in your house. You can take some scrap cloth fabrics like I don't know maybe you have some like old t-shirts or sheets lying around that you don't really use anymore but you don't know what to do with it this is a whole separate conversation but you can make your own you can melt down the beeswax dip the cloth into the beeswax and do a DIY beeswax wrap in your kitchen Oh, and that's one of those things that I think of like you might spend a little more money on this up front but it's going to last you for a really long time and it's plant-based so they're compostable at the end of their life you don't have to throw them in the trash right As far as like your bathroom goes, there are bamboo plant-based toothbrushes. Get rid of that plastic toothbrush that's disgusting that you're going to throw out anyways. Get a bamboo toothbrush that's compostable. (laughs) Invest in some low-waste package toothpaste. There's like tooth tabs now, tooth powder. That's a really easy thing to make. Brush your teeth with baking soda. It's the same damn thing. You know, if you're a lady maybe test out a menstrual cup. Women send so much waste to the landfill and spend so much money on tampons and pads. It is outrageous. My menstrual cup has saved me a thousand dollars without a doubt. It has saved me so much money. No waste. You're not sending anything to landfill. Also like tampons and pads they're super toxic they usually have tiny little pieces of plastic woven into the cotton fabric that is not good for your body it's really really toxic for your body and obviously because of where it's located your bloodstream is connected straight to it so seriously invest in something like this it will last you a really long time you're going to avoid sending so much waste to landfill um additionally plastic razors Ditch them. Stop buying them. They're so expensive. A metal safety razor will last you an entire lifetime, and you will never send waste to the landfill again from shaving. This is a great thing for men, too, like aerosol shaving cream cans. Those are such trash, and there's great alternatives now. They have these really nice salves that come in metal tins that you can use that are better for your skin. They're non-toxic. They're plant-based, and they're not coming with all of that plastic waste. I'm just, I'm like spitballing. I'm trying to think of everything that I have in my house.
1: (laughs) We're going to have to make like a survival, like a Megan's survival guide to being (sighs) low waste.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm running a marathon over here. Coffee. Oh my gosh. Coffee. Don't use uh, those scary plastic pods. Those are so scary. They scare me. They're hot.
0: This is what I want to talk about. This is what I want to talk about. They're haunted.
2: (laughs) Those are haunted.
0: I want to know how to dispose of them. Because those are very prevalent in my house, and I want to get rid of them. I've tried to get rid of them with the reusable ones, right? They don't fucking work. They just don't work.
2: My suggestion is to brew coffee differently. That's ultimately the best. A pour over.
0: A pour over with a uh, biodegradable filter.
2: A pour over, a French press, any of those options are not going to create waste. And additionally, coffee grounds. Guess who loves coffee grounds?
0: Worms fucking worms worms love coffee grounds and they also keep roaches away
2: yeah, wormies love coffee grounds. There might not be anything that they love as much as coffee grounds. Maybe cardboard, but they love coffee I'll grounds. I
0: talked and they do. They
2: love coffee them. grounds. So you, if you love coffee and you want to compost, you want coffee grounds. So you want to make a nice pour over or a nice French press. So you have those coffee grounds left over, so you can feed them to your little wormies.
0: I want to ask you a real question though. Can we start a company together called Mind Your Beeswax? Ah,
2: yeah. <laughs> i
0: would be a fucking angel investor and infuse this company because i believe in what you're selling we can a hundred percent
1: you heard it here first folks
0: i'm so into what you're doing and the the, the fucking ferocity <laughs> that you're bringing to this conversation and the love for the planet that you have it's inspiring and a lot more people should act oh, this way
1: i love that i'm obsessed oh. yeah you motherfuckers
2: Act like Megan Fucking act
0: like (laughs) Megan Care about the planet And get fucking excited about it But also
2: Take your time And make one change at a time This is Oh Victoria This is is for you too This is for you too Because your question was so So great And so eloquent And so important For anybody out there Who's trying to make Sustainable swaps I encourage you Not to take on Everything at once Try to do one thing at a time So maybe do a little Audit of your waste This is a great suggestion That I actually Just learned From a wonderful woman Who we interviewed On our podcast on Monday and she said you know do a waste audit look around your house and see where you in particular are creating waste start with that place if you see that you're really creating a lot of trash in your kitchen start there with some sustainable alternatives invest in wrap. invest in some loose leaf tea invest in a nice pour over coffee or a nice french press or a great place to find some of these things, go to a secondhand shop, a vintage store, a Goodwill, Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. You can find some really nice treasure that somebody else was thought was trash. I found a beautiful pour over coffee once that was literally in a Salvation Army and it was gorgeous and had never been touched. So you can find these oh, yeah. amazing resources for less money and invest in them and save yourself from creating waste in your home. If it's your bathroom, you know, start looking at, like, where are you creating waste? Is it, like, your toothbrush routine? Is it your skincare routine? Is it your makeup routine? There are sustainable solutions for all of these things. And just start there and take it slow and don't be too hard on yourself. Change does not happen overnight. It is a marathon, not a sprint. And we can all do better, but nobody is perfect. So take your time. Don't give up. And you know, DM me, call me, text me. I don't care. Show up at my house, knock on my door. I'm ready. I'm available. We have video asks. Megan is always available on the TM2C podcast to answer your questions through video asks. Yes. I have another sustainable solution for the kitchen that I love because I I got my glass of water and I was just having a little sip. So um, if you're somebody who loves, you know, a filtered water option and, you know, I, I get it. It's fine. Um, if you love a filtered water option, those Brita filters, they suck. They end up going to the landfill. They are totally and entirely comprised of plastic. They're sitting in the landfill. I am
0: throwing away everything in no, my don't, kitchen No, don't, don't throw, throw away, away everything
2: in your kitchen. Do not throw away everything in your kitchen. That's not the answer. Slowly make changes. But I will say a great alternative solution is to put some charcoal in your water. There are amazing companies out there that sell char- little, you know, charcoal pieces. You rinse the charcoal off. You boil it in water for about two to three minutes. You rinse it again. You pop it in your little water bottle. And charcoal functions like sunflowers function in earth. Charcoal sucks out toxins from the water. So pop it in your water and you have some filtered water with something that is of the earth and from the earth. Uh, The charcoal can then just be popped in your compost bin. Um, Yeah. And it's a super sustainable plant-based option that does not create any plastic waste. And I know it sounds, some of these are like kind of scary. It's like, I don't want to use a safety razor. I'm going to cut myself nonstop. I don't want to use charcoal. It's spooky. But these solutions are really meaningful and they're what people were doing before they had convenience in place exactly. and use the things that we use now. I have something really uh,
1: useful to add to this conversation yes. on the charcoal. Tell us. So I actually have a water bottle from a company I love called Core K um, O R. They are part of Summit, which is an organization I'm a part of, and that's where I found out about them. And this water bottle is I. It's the only one I use. You fill it up, but in the mechanism, that is the the little you know lip that you drink the water through. There's a, uh, a charcoal insert into it, and you only have to replace them every so once in a while, and it filters all your water. So I always
2: drink my water out of my Core bottle. That's so cool. I've never heard of that. That sounds amazing.
1: Yeah, they're super rad, and they have really neat bottles and they're a great I think they're a great company they seem like a great company so cool I love that so let's go we have one more question and so you're going to hear it and we've already covered a lot of it but I have a particular framing that I want to like ask you about as a result of it so let's let's dive into that real quick hi
3: my name is Amy I'm from Brooklyn New York Um, so a lot of people say that sustainability and environmentalism are only for the upper and middle classes due to how expensive things can be that are, uh, you know, low packaging or no waste. I just wanted to know your thoughts on this and
1: um, maybe if you had any tips for people who fall into a lower income bracket. Um, on how to live more sustainably. So definitely, everyone who's listening, check the blog from this week, because there I am going to put up Megan's survival guide to being low waste. And almost everything she already said in the episode fits the answer to that question, right? It's a lot of stuff that's really easy. But the opportunity I wanted to take from that question that I think is so important is to when you have so much to worry about when you don't have a lot of disposable income, right? There's a lot of stress and pressures on you. How do you move this pie in the sky discussion about why this is important to some really like concrete graspable reasons that you should take the time when there's a lot of things you're you know trying to do in your life take the time to do this in addition to go to the secondhand store and find the things that you're talking about to get the charcoal filter to boil the water to ask your super for the compost bin
2: yeah yeah so I think that I will start by saying again, it is incredibly important to remember that we vote with our money. When we spend money on a particular item, we are making the statement that we support that item. It's also important to note here that often things that are less expensive are less expensive for a reason. So If you are living on a lower income and you are in need of, say, clothes are a great example. You're in need of some new clothes. The season has changed. Your stuff from the past few years is starting to fall apart. It's getting a bit holy and decrepit. And you're on the hunt. Instead of going to say, and I don't mean to throw these companies under the bus because some of them are trying to do better. But but instead of. But we will. And it won't be the first time and on this And it won't podcast, be the first time. So you know. <laughs> yeah. Instead of going to, say, a Gap or an H&M or a Uniqlo, places where there is no transparency for how those products are produced, usually they are produced in a non-ethical manner where people are not making a living wage. Those clothes are cheap for a reason. They want you to Mm -hmm. buy those clothes. They want hundreds of us to buy those clothes so that we can continue pouring money into their corporate structure that then allows them to continue functioning without transparency. Mm -hmm. We are the guinea pigs. We are literally being tested to see whether or not we have the capacity to make a different decision. So... You're living on a low income. You need some new clothes. Instead of going to a store that sells cheap clothes, I'm not then telling you to go somewhere else and spend a jillion, bisquillion, jillion dollars on some... Bisquillion, (laughs) jillion. A bisquillion, jillion.
0: Because I I have
2: that much. Yeah, we all have a bisquillion, jillion. So instead of, you know, sort of stressing about having to go somewhere and buying, you know... Uh, or organic, uh, sustainable, plant-based clothing that is going to be more expensive because. It costs more money to produce that clothing. Check out a secondhand store. You are going to find some amazing options in a secondhand store. Vintage stores, secondhand shops, charity shops, Salvation Army. Shout out Buffalo Exchange. Buffalo Exchange. Such a great option. We are talking about really nice quality clothing that hasn't often been worn very much. You can buy it. You are then sort of doing Multiple things at the same time. You are not contributing money to a systemic corporate structure that abuses people and the environment. You are not purchasing new clothes which have used raw materials. You are instead purchasing clothes that are already using materials that have already been used and you are spending less money on buying something new for you. You are saving your money. You're making sure that you're budgeting. You're continuing to invest in yourself, but you're making a better choice for your pocket and for the environment. Double, win. double, double, triple win. That's anecdotal. That's about clothing, but I think it applies to many, many things. And I will say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky to have had a pretty kick-ass uh, service industry job for the past seven years of my life that has supported me in more ways than I can express. Mm. But, you know, I don't have bucket loads of money, and these changes that I've made in my life have helped me save money. Cool. I can't tell you the last time that I stepped foot in a drugstore, like a CVS, a Dwayne Reed. Think about how often you go to those stores and how much money you spend in them on razors, razor blades, uh, tampons, pads, paper towels, toilet paper, tissues. I don't spend money on any of that stuff. I have a safety razor that I purchased once. I've had it for three years. I have a box of razor blades that I bought at a barber shop in the Bronx for two bucks. There's 200 razor blades in there. I'm going to die before I run out of these razor blades. I have a menstrual cup. I've used it for three years. I have not purchased pads or tampons in three years. Think, ladies, how much money have you been spending on pads and tampons? They are stealing all your money. (laughs) I'm trying to think of other things. Oh yeah, paper towels. I don't buy paper towels. I don't buy tissues. I, I cut up an old sheet. I put it in little little jars around my house so that people could have tissues. There's one jar that's full. There's one jar that's like for the tissues that people like blow their noses and then put in there. I wash them. Any reusables, this is like something people say. They'll be like, oh, but is the reusable option that you then have to wash? You're using water. Is that less sustainable? No. Washing something is always more sustainable than the use of raw materials being taken from the earth to create something new. Because think about it, not every time Mm. you're using paper towels, not only are those raw materials, but then you're just putting it in the trash and it's going to the landfill. And again, it's sitting in an anaerobic environment where it cannot biodegrade when normally it would be able to. Mm -hmm. And it is emitting greenhouse gases, and lending to anthropogenic climate change. If you use reusables in your home, you eliminate all those steps. So not only will you save money, not only will you help save the planet, but you are going to have quality items in your home that last you such a long time. And then you don't have to spend money every month on those things that are just built into Convenient structure in our lives. Did that answer the question? I feel like yep. I went on a tangent. That's good. Oh, it fully That's good.
0: did for me. Mic drop. <laughs>
2: can we please dish for a few minutes about
1: making a podcast Uh, friend who is also making a podcast podcast. I always want to like talk about this with anybody else who's going through this process. So I know you mentioned it a little bit, but let's just go back to it. When did you have the idea to do it? How long did it take to get up and running? How do you, you know, give me all like, where do you feel like you're at with it in terms of efficacy and impact and also like, what is going on in your life all that stuff yeah
2: yeah so we started in in 2017 uh so almost three years ago and we'll have our three-year anniversary of our first episode i think in july amazing yeah so two years and a half almost three and um yeah we got up and running my honestly so i'll be honest here i i could i could not be less tech savvy like i'm This – doing the podcast has really um, encouraged me to sort of amplify my – Technical knowledge of things, cool. But I, awesome. I have a tendency to not be very tech savvy. But my my co-host and my co-creator Jamie is incredibly tech savvy, and she has she's married to a wonderful British man who has a background in music, music production, creating music. He's an amazing musician himself, and he really nice. helped us sort of figure out you know our microphones and recording remotely because mm. we record mm-hmm. remotely as like you guys do. She lives in the United Kingdom. I live in New York. York. we have in the past used ringer I don't know if yep. yeah y'all are familiar with that it. we yep. used ringer for a little while um but it's a little expensive so we sort of we sort of gave up on it um we use garage usually what we do now we use garage band we record tracks we read we we transfer them to each other and then yep. um yeah, and then when we interview people... I actually love this. We don't look at each other usually. We just talk on the phone. Mm-hmm. We do Skype usually. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll do like a Skype chat and then we'll have everybody record on GarageBand. We retransfer transfer it and Jamie cuts the episodes together. And then... So that's like the tech stuff. So we do full length episodes. When we started, we were doing biweekly episodes on any and all sustainability related topics. Um, Mm -hmm. Things got a little hairy when Jamie booked her company contract. Oh my god, we are in the same boat with Andrew. (laughs) She got super busy, and and you know I so so proud of her, so happy for her. But the reality was, we couldn't do biweekly episodes anymore. So yeah. That actually, when she was doing company, and then she right after company, she booked a tour of Little Miss Sunshine in the United Mm -hmm, Kingdom. mm -hmm. So she was working for a long time, and that's when I came up with the idea to do the Friday news briefings. I -hmm. was I wanted to create more content for our listeners. We were only putting out an episode every month, so I was like, okay, I want to do an episode on a weekly basis. And it was actually Monique who inspired me to do it. Also one of the greatest things to ever happen to my life or this planet. Uh, She's right up there with birds, bats, and bees. She's amazing. (laughs) Hey, Monique. Love you, girl. So (laughs) Monique was asking me. She's a great question asker. She's like one of those friends that you have in your life. Oh, my God. She is. I know her, too, if you're listening. She is. She just encourages you to, like, think outside the box and think better she's really Mm -hmm. one of the smartest people i know so she was asking me this question she was like asking me about news related things she was like hey you should do like a news piece on your you know instagram like you are my source for environmental related news and i want Mm -hmm. more of it and i was like great i can i can do that so that's when i started doing the friday news briefing so for anyone listening If you subscribe and listen to How to Save the World podcast, or if you want to now, we do monthly episodes about sustainability topics but you will find me every Friday releasing a Friday news briefing episode that is all about sustainability-related news, environmental-related news, politics, and policy. And I try to do different pieces on different things and sort of create this amalgamation of environmental-related news. And I post that. I post those episodes every Friday. And they're really quick tidbits. They're like five to 10 minutes long. Super quick. Uh, I need you. Here's a piece
1: of creative consulting for you for free, although you probably already thought about it. We need to figure out out how to do this, but we need Alexa or Siri to respond on Fridays when you say, hey, Siri, how do I save the world that it plays your flash briefing? Oh, my God, that is such a good idea. Yeah. And the reason I was thinking about it is because something I was listening to your podcast this week and or the news briefing yeah. part of it. And I was thinking like how cool it is that uh, it is such a hot topic right now in technology and digital media yeah. to have like really short, like what is the future of short form yeah. audio content yeah. because of Siri? and Alexa. And you guys were way ahead of that because that conversation wasn't really being had in 2017. And I know it's because you were solving a different kind of problem. Yeah. But it's neat that you've had like three years basically, yeah, uh, leg up on that short form content. And there's a lot of opportunity to capitalize
2: on that. Yeah. So we
1: need to figure out like how to do yeah, that. How because do you it's do super that fucking awesome? If anyone out there, I- I'll listening. research it
2: knows. Yeah. Let us Let's know. Yeah, that would be really, really cool. We need that. We need that. And I would say that's our biggest struggle is, you know, amplifying followership. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we actually have quite a lot of listeners. Right now, I looked at our stats the other day. We have almost 35,000 total listens of our podcast. Amazing. We usually get a little over 500 listens on a weekly basis, but Mm -hmm. we don't have that many followers on Instagram, and I think that's, like, our biggest struggle. Um, As I said before, I am not the most tech-savvy person. I'm also incredibly busy i work a full-time bartending job i also Mm -hmm. still audition i have my sustainability consulting company i do the podcast every week Mm -hmm. um and so i'm not the best at like post i know that like if you're like an influencer on instagram you really have to post five to ten times a day to build followership and i just do not have the resources or the time to make that happen Mm -hmm. i would say that's our biggest struggle right now is just I want everyone to have this message and this information.
1: Mm -hmm. We try
2: to make sustainability fun. We try to make it accessible and approachable. We want everybody to feel included and involved and heard. And I feel like we do a good job of it. We, yeah, we need listeners. We need followers and listeners to spread the good word.
1: It's interesting because on this episode of this podcast that came out on New Year's Eve, we did like a night, we've been up for 90 days and we did a review. And one of the things we talked a lot about, but probably I actually was thinking this morning that we didn't really talk in detail about something you're talking about. When I had the idea for this podcast, I knew I wanted it to be a brand and not just a podcast. And so for us, that social content to create a community online has been a part of this since the beginning. But that's partially because. I've been working on the intersection between like storytelling and digital media for like eight years. So I just kind of know what I'm doing. Yeah. The thing that we didn't talk about on that episode, like this dirty secret that you're talking about is it is so much fucking work it is insane and it's very rewarding but like it also means particularly for an early stage podcast that's not being done by famous people we're both killing ourselves and and, on my end in particular to get us in the position to be monetized because you know this takes easy 15 to 20 hours a week to do and we're just the same as you we all are doing 60 other things you know what I mean exactly
2: Exactly. yeah it is a hustle it's a hustle it really is yeah we, we actually just had our first sponsorship hey congrats thank you so much it was it was very cool we had our first sponsorship and you know what i'll give them a hella shout out because i love them i love what they do um yes. this amazing company sponsored us uh during our the winter of our podcast called bear soaps b-a-r-e-s-o-a-p-s bear soaps they're online at B A R E S O A P S. soaps Com. They are an amazing organization. They were co-founded by this wonderful woman named Jessie, who is also an NYU alum like I am. She reached out to us and she was like, I love what y'all do. And I, you know, we want to sponsor your show. And I got to learn so much about them and what they do. They have this amazing soap company The soaps are, for the most part, plant-based. There's, like, two that have, like, sheep's or goat's milk in them. But they're primarily plant-based, cruelty-free. Their packaging is all compostable. They have this really beautiful compostable, plantable packaging that literally has flower seeds in it. So you can plant it and flowers (gasps) will burst forth from it. so cool. It's really cool. (laughs) And this is, like, a new amazing thing that some companies, some sustainable companies are utilizing, this plantable, compostable packaging. It's so cool. cool. Um, Also... They reinvest a portion of their profits into communities to help allow women and girls in these communities to create their own self-sustaining infrastructure. So, for example, they work with this organization in India, and these women and girls recycle hotel soap that hasn't been used or that's, like, leftover. They recycle that hotel soap, and they you know create new soap from it and then they sell it and it's created this self-sustaining infrastructure for these women and girls to make a living wage and it's all sort of functioning from this sustainability first company i love what they do also if you're trying to think about sustainable swaps for your bathroom ditching plastic shampoo and conditioner and bottles is such a key component (laughs) of maximizing sustainability in your bathroom. Not to mention most of those packaged conventional soaps are really toxic. They're filled with way too many chemicals. Obviously you're putting them directly on your skin, skin contact, they're being absorbed into your bloodstream, ditch those when you run out of them, invest in something that's going to be better for your body, bare soaps is a great option, there are other companies that make great soaps, like there's like Castile soap, bar soaps that you can use, bar soap is a great low waste option. I cannot use bar soap in my house. If anybody out there is a homeowner, you will then face your own set of sustainability challenges when you own a home. Bar soap is really, really hard on the drains of older homes um, Ah. because it changes its physical chemical structure dependent Ah. upon the temperature. So it's really hard on pipes in old homes. So I use a company called Plain Products. They are a subscription-based company. PLA. A-I-N-E products. Uh Um, They're actually based in Ohio. Uh, Love them for that. And women owned. Also (laughs) love that. It's a subscription based company. You basically set up like how often you want to receive shampoo, conditioner, body wash or lotion or hand soap as well. They have and it ships to your house in these aluminum containers with a shipping label in a box. You use it. Then, when you are ready to get more, you have more shipped to your house. You take the old bottles that are empty, you put them back in the other box, paste the shipping label on it, pop it in a USPS, uh, you know, go to the post office, pop it in one of the bins, and send it back to them. They wash them, they reuse them. It is a completely circular infrastructure. They create no waste. All of their products are plant based, uh, sustainable. Uh, ethical, cruelty free, really amazing company. And as far as money is concerned on this one, I will say I spend no more money on that option than I did before when I was buying conventional soaps.
1: And it's, I don't know about if this is true in other cities besides New York, but that is way more convenient because I feel like in New York, so because you don't have a car and like I'm like run out of my shit. And then I'm like, fucking damn it, I'm too busy. I don't have time. I'm out of the shit. Ugh, so good. Uh, Emily, our producer wanted to ask you about something. Jump in, Emily. Yeah. I wanted to know if you know about Loop, that new
3: initiative. Yeah,
2: Loop is really Tell cool. Tell us about it. I
3: don't know about it. Loop basically is a this new company that does the same thing, but they're an umbrella company that takes all these big brands like Tide, they have Huggies, yeah. they have like all different companies. They create a reusable package for it, and then when you buy it, you pay like depending on what it is, like $5, 10 extra for a deposit on the packaging. And then they give you this like re- reusable container that they ship it in. You put the same containers mm-hmm. back. But it's like all the same companies that you are already using. Uh.
2: Yeah, I have mixed feelings. I think it is a very cool structure. It's probably setting the precedent for what our future structures need to look like if we are going to maximize sustainability and feasibly reduce waste. I have so many thoughts on this. My first thought is that they are playing to people not wanting to make changes, which is smart, but also a band-aid. While I understand that we like what we like and we don't necessarily welcome change with the most fervor, it's also important to understand that sticking to something just for the sake of it's tradition in your life is not necessarily the most mindful approach. Mm. So I am in support of the infrastructure, but not in support of the companies that they are supporting. You know, if you have a reusable package for Tide it's still Tide. It's still filled with toxic chemicals, fragrances, dyes, things that are you know known carcinogens, endocrine disruptors, and toxins for the body. These are not products that we want to use in our home. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. also incredibly important to remember that these things don't just go away. You know, we use Tide to wash our clothes, so it's going into our water systems, our streams, and our lakes, and our rivers, and our groundwater sources, which is where we get drinking water from. Right, and we don't. Want want to leach toxic chemicals into our environment just because they're wrapped up in a reusable package. I think that the infrastructure is great. I think that they need to make some changes and invest in some sustainable plant-based ethical products. I will say that I definitely thought about using it to get some Haagen-Dazs ice cream.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I I had a feeling you were going to say that. I know that there are a lot of companies and businesses going back to this they're calling like the milkman model right like you get the packaging and and it comes back back. but as somebody who's really interested in, in these types of ideas and travel in particular I've also been you know trying to play devil's advocate a little bit in my head about this like For impact travel stuff and ecotourism, I I have had a lot of conversations with some friends of mine who are involved in in this kind of work, how air travel is like one of the worst things you can do for the environment. And then I think a lot about impact travel and how like businesses are doing great things to like bring ecotourism and like sustainable community models to tourism for especially places that depend on tourism income. I mean, this is a whole conversation I could probably have with you for like hours, but I wonder what you (laughs) think of that because... My, my standpoint, my personal opinion on it is like a little bit like the loop model. A really big thing to consider is that travel industry is continuing to grow and people aren't yeah. going to stop traveling. Like that's not yeah. something that I would anticipate. And it's the same kind of thing with purchasing products. Like to a certain extent, people aren't going to just stop purchasing things because they're doing one decision at a right. time. So that's one question I want to ask you about is is how do you look at that and tackle something like that, especially as an environmental advocate? And then one other thing I just want to throw in there kind of as devil's advocate is this conversation a lot of people have about when environmental problems are framed as like you can make a difference and you are an individual, how that is putting the blame on an individual
2: consumer. As opposed Mm to the top. I talk about that in particular a lot on my Friday news briefing episodes because I talk a lot about politics and policy. I think it's really important to note here and... I think this is a really important thing for anybody listening who is, you know, starting out on your sort of sustainability journey. You want to make changes. A key component of the puzzle are the individual choices that we make on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Making daily habit shifts, making lifestyle changes, being the change that you want to see in the world. On the other hand, making individual changes does not absolve you from doing the hard work of trying to make systemic change from the top down. So we have to think about this sort of like politics. You know, there's top down politics and there's bottom up politics. And when we're talking about individual lifestyle changes and habit shifts, we're talking about sort of grassroots change from the ground up. That is one important piece of the puzzle. The other important piece of the puzzle is to help effect systematic change from the top down so that means getting out to vote Mm -hmm. if I have any other beat that I talk about more than voting with your money Mm -hmm. it's voting you have a responsibility we have a duty get out there and vote pay attention to who is talking about what you care about in particular pay attention to people who are actually putting their money where their mouths are get out there and vote protest march call your representatives email your representatives your representatives trying to instill change from the top down is. Maybe a more important piece of the puzzle. It just depends on what kind of accessibility we have as individuals to reaching out to those people. But the things you really can do are voting, talking to your representatives, emailing them, calling them, sending them letters, um, getting out there and marching, protesting, and again, voting with your money and being conscientious about where you put your money and making sure that it's not going to large scale corporations or conglomerates. Something I've been super into that I think you will – that will resonate with you. I have a 401k. I've been sort of looking at my 401k and figuring out where I can divest from sort of large-scale corporations. My 401k is like built into my companies, my service industry jobs – profile. But there are opportunities to invest in sustainable initiatives and in companies that are doing sustainable work and focusing on conservation. And so I've been looking at my sort of portfolio and trying to divest from the companies that I don't support and investing in sustainable alternatives. That's a huge thing that we can do with our money is being able to divest out of those companies like Exxon, BP, airline companies, being able to divest from those companies and invest in sustainable alternatives is a really prominent way of being able to say, this is what I support, this is where I'm putting my money, and this is what I want the future to look like. So those are some like bigger things. I think you're right. Both pieces are equally as important parts of the puzzle. And fossil fuel companies, conglomerates, they want individuals to feel responsible. I laughed so hard. BP right around Christmas time, maybe Thanksgiving Christmas time, If anybody listening doesn't know about this, Exxon went on trial in New York City from late September through mid-October. I have a bunch of episodes about it on how to save the world from our Friday news briefings. They ended up not being found liable for committing fraud, but it was a climate change related case. It was tangential to climate change. So around that time, BP was trying to sort of, you know, build on, they were trying to take advantage of the marketing. Exxon looked really bad in the public eye and BP was like, we're just going to jimmy ourselves on in here and try to look good. And they put out this promotion on their website that was like, hey, individuals, calculate your carbon footprint here and make a pledge to reduce your carbon footprint. Motherfuckers. And I was like, (laughs) I... Not only did I take the quiz 10 times and I got a different answer every single time. Oh, God. But I was laughing. I was laughing so hard. I was like, this is a perfect example of a corporate structure trying to displace the blame on civilians, consumers and individuals. It's important to pay attention to that. Be mindful of it. But on the same token, like you're absolutely right. People aren't just going to stop driving. People aren't just going to stop getting gas. They're not they're not just going to stop flying. So I think. It's important to try and do those things the best way we can. You know, if you're taking a really long trip soon, uh, it's great to look into carbon offsetting. It's sort of like recycling. It's a bit of a band-aid, but it's better than the alternative. Mm -hmm. So that's what we have right now in our infrastructure. Let's utilize it. Let's you know vote with our money and make it known that we support carbon offsetting. We want companies to be responsible for carbon offsetting. We mm-hmm. want the people who have the money to have the capacity to carbon offset and – to make changes to their infrastructure to be able to make things as sustainable as possible and then as far as traveling is concerned also I, I just always encourage people like there is more to see where you are try to take mm-hmm. shorter trips by car by bus by train there are beautiful things to see right where you are and it doesn't require getting on a plane but obviously we all have to fly sometimes. It, it just is what it is. And I would never, you know, tell anyone to stop doing something. Just do it in the best way that we possibly can and try to effect positive change by looking at the top and looking at what you can do. And doing a little bit of both.
1: I want to introduce you to... Um, I've got really good guest for your podcast. Uh, this awesome, awesome company. These two young folks that I was... Yeah. They're not that much younger than I am. I just said <laughs> that. And I don't think they're actually that much younger than I am. Uh, that I was working with to help them with their story. Yeah. And they're called Good Capital. Oh, cool. And they're an investment firm like that is divested of just uh, almost every major like, concerning uh, area in the world. And I feel like that would be an... Have you talked to anybody like that No, all, we haven't. On I
2: actually... There's this woman that I follow on Instagram who does uh, divesting consulting for sustainability. So I was looking at her, but that sounds amazing. They're
1: rad. And I feel like they'd have a lot to learn from you too, right? Because I think one of the things we were doing we were working together is they're like, they believe so – not only do they believe firmly in the impact that – Running an investment um, business, which is essentially like voting with your money, right? Like, absolutely, is is really impactful. But they also have great returns and results financially. But they're, you know, they were saying we are having a tough time making people care enough. And I I was like, man, they're out there. So anyway, I just think a conversation between you
2: guys would be like so rad. No, that's amazing. That's amazing. I want that. I want to introduce. I will introduce you after we're done.
1: yay Yay! okay so for everybody listening tell us uh when we can listen to you where to find you how to use you as a consultant all
2: that good stuff. yeah okay so uh you can find us online at www.howtosavetheworldpodcast.com you can find us our podcast on stitcher itunes google play and soundcloud uh we put out monthly episodes And weekly Friday news briefings that are quick little environmental news tidbits. Those are great. Um, at Instagram, you can find us at How to Save the World podcast. Um, if you are interested in setting up a sustainability consulting session, you can find me at mossnyc.org. That's M O S S N Y C.org. All of my information is up there pricing packages, uh, my email. You can reach out to me there. Everything is there. You can also find us at Patreon at How to Save the World podcast. If you like what we do and you have a little extra dough, and you want to support us. I think that's everything. And I'd just like to take a moment to say, you guys, if you're into
1: sustainability and like this conversation was inspiring, I cannot underplay how valuable even your like $2 a month is for a podcast like How to Save the World or ours, because we are, most of us, particularly in the early stage of a podcast, doing this for free because it matters. And because like Megan was saying, these messages have to be out in the world. This news has to be accessible and approachable and digestible. And so if you enjoy this, giving back in that way even if it's two dollars a month five dollars a month something really low that you never see you know what you know exactly what it's going to and you know exactly the outcome of that money so go check out their patreon if you were inspired because it really does make a difference
0: Megan thank you so much for coming on to this episode you have been fucking phenomenal everything that you say about sustainability organics uh, single use plastic every single fucking thing that you have discussed today has been like in the back of my mind haunting me every day when I use the been, <laughs> sorry to throw Keurig under the bus but you're assholes I use your fucking product but like I, I don't want to um, so I'm going to not
1: going to sponsor take
0: me to call 100% me. Keurig is Keurig pissed is like, right now they're pissed sorry yeah you know what you know what Keurig come up with a better option please you are just Destroying right. the world one fucking pot at a time. <laughs> Megan, you're fucking awesome. I want to start a business called Mind Your Beeswax. Mind your Bees beeswax.
2: You. I love it. I love it.
0: This
1: was the best conversation.
0: This was like, the best.
2: So fun. I had such a good time. Thank you guys. Thank <laughs> Thanks you for coming so on. Much. Sorry, yes. I like jibber jabbered for I. That's what I get excited. I go on tangents. <laughs> I just love the planet.
1: I am feeling so inspired by that conversation, and it definitely. <laughs> To say that it makes me wanna do more here um, in my home in New York and in Los Angeles is like an understatement. I am definitely gonna talk to my super, see if we can get these compost bins in my trash room.
0: I, I just don't understand how New York City is one of the, has so much money, And such a wonderful infrastructure for uh, recycling that we just found out about. We are on the forefront of recyclability. We are on the forefront of sustainability. But we also in this city have an issue with lots of garbage, right? So thank God we're on the forefront of this thing. But we're also creating massive amounts of garbage. And you can do every little bit that you can to help us out. Put your trash in the bin. Something falls on the street Pick it up If you're a New Yorker If you're a tourist You know what I mean You see shit blown around Like maybe reach down And grab that up
1: My favorite thing about Megan That was a surprise Is that I listened to her Friday morning briefing Uh And she's very professional And very serious When she reads these news pieces So like she was like just this bundle of energy and like excitement and like she's so funny and like just wildly, wildly and
0: whimsical yeah. <laughs> and passionate like all the all the fucking yeah. adjectives. She's like a really special human being that you like when you're around her her fucking energy is like just yeah. it infuses the whole room or it infuses a computer screen or <laughs> wherever but just like listening to her talk about how excited she is about saving the planet one fucking piece of trash and like one mason jar at a time it's true. Like she comes up with these amazing things for your take-home food and your. She just gives you all these little things, and she was just kind of spitballing at one point, and I was just like, my mouth was a gape, and I was like, you're just making this shit up.
1: Oh, we absolutely need more people like her,
0: Megan. Aftermath. If you
1: were inspired by this conversation and want more, we have a special treat for you. Go to bitly B-I-T slash Megan's Guide. That's bit.ly dot l y slash. Megan's Guide, that's M-E-G-H-A-N-S Guide, to get your very own Megan Aftermat Sustainability Survival Guide made just for listeners of Take Me to Coffee. I looked through everything. It's amazing. It's got all of the companies for all of the different areas that you can reduce your waste in in your home, the stuff that she loves, the stuff that she trusts. There's tips in there. There's tricks, and it's all stuff that you can do for very little money. I know I'm going to check some of that stuff off the list. So get on over there. Download that guide. Oh, and don't forget to follow How to Save the World podcast on Instagram. Subscribe, listen. They got a Patreon. That's it for this episode of Take Me to Coffee. Now it's your turn.
0: One, so check out new episodes every Tuesday on your favorite podcast and skibbitypap, pap, 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 pap,
1: two for special bonus content, including being able to see Megan get so excited about bats, bees, and worms. Join our coffee club over at Patreon. That's www.patreon.com slash tm 2 c podcast.
0: Your contribution helps us continue to make this podcast for you, with you, and completely ad-free. No one tells us what to do except for my producer.
1: Three, download these episodes. Hey, and leave us a review. I have noticed we keep getting some new reviews, and I am really thankful for that, you guys. That actually really, really helps, and I am really appreciative. I'm Andrew. I'm Jess.
0: We'll see you next week. They don't say things the
3: same Two walk like two out the door Then you have magic One comes around, one today They don't say things the same Two walk
0: like two out the door Then you have magic